nothing to look forward to like i don't know well we will find out everyone say hello to everyone barbara say hello sharon say hello amy say hello hi hello. we are live with this very eclectic broadcast series that we're running with the with the great team with with amy and her colleagues at the ahdb um, and we are talking today about driving equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace with our three key experts. But let's just give a bit of a background to those who are dialed in onto LinkedIn and to Facebook and onto YouTube and onto our podcast series. That we all know how important it is to be inspired by both big businesses and individuals, which is why we're excited to present Talking Leaders, an ongoing initiative from the AHDB, which we will see, which sees a, a series of inspirational speakers share their life experiences and deliver impactful stories to the ag leader community. Um, Amy, should we just hop over to, to, to yourself? Can you just give a bit of an understanding for those that, that perhaps don't know about the AHDB as to who the AHDB are, please? Yeah, of course. Uh, thanks, Max. Um, just to remind everyone, we're not experts in this area. We just have experience. And we want to share it today to inspire all. Um, so AHDB, uh, Levy Body, um, cover the UK. And uh, our role in particular in the agri-leadership team is to help inspire farmers to really focus on their people management skills and improve their own leadership skills. So Talking Leaders is, is about inspiring um, the listeners through experience. So every, every, every leader that comes to talk talks about their own volatility, their own challenges, but how they came through the storm and some of the lessons that they can learn to share to hopefully the people listening in can have a think, put themselves in somebody else's shoes and take some action forward. Um, Amy, fa fantastic. And it's, it's, it's great to have, have you on. Where's worked uh, very well previously is we've had uh, your, uh, your, your colleagues, we've had Mark and Isaac on. And I, I, I love the fact that we're swapping around between all of you because we can find out more about yourselves and, um, and AHDB. But let, let's get on to the subject about, uh, that we're discussing today, driving equality, diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And as um, Amy's pointed out, none of us are experts on this, but what we wanted to, to do was to lean on a couple of um, experts in their industry field, because my, my view is, is that we've all, in some respect, got the answers, got the commentary, got the views, um, and to discuss that between the, the four of us, to see what conclusions we can come to, I think we've all got some of the some of the answers. So just doing a bit of research on this whole um, element about uh, quality and diversity and inclusion in, in the workplace, that the more, the four key points I came up with was that if we can look to adopt these in our businesses, we can have one, better business performance, two, improve recruitment, retention and engagement, three, better business opportunities, and four, it is of course essential to manage compliance and reduce the legal risk by, so what, why would you not do that? So Amy, what we need is we, we need our experts to come in, on, on with us with this, with this journey so we can find out what they've seen. So in no particular order, Sharon, who are you and who are you representing, please? Hi, Max. I'm Sharon Blyfield. Um, I uh, work for Coca-Cola Euro Pacific Partners. God, what a mouthful. CCEP, as we <laughs> wow. would like to, to say. Um, so, yeah, so hopefully today I can give some insights from the journey as a business that we've been on, but also my own personal experiences as well. Sharon, excellent. And, and Barbara, who doesn't know Barbara Bray, MBE? But actually, there might be some people that aren't fully aware. So, Barbara, who are you, please? Who are you representing? I am an independent food safety nutrition consultant and also a PhD researcher at Queen's University in Belfast. 
Yes, and we, we're amazed at you, Barbara, because you've got so much going on and yet you still want to better yourself. You're still, you, you've gone off to do this, uh, this PhD in Ireland. We don't know how, how you fit in the time, let alone how you very kindly managed to slot myself, Sharon and Amy into your busy work schedule. But it's great to have you on because we know we're going to find out so much um, from you. Just everyone, before we get, get going um, on this, we have so many graduates um, and, and people interested in the food sectors um, dialing in on a UK and international basis and they always want to know what the background is, is of our of our speakers of our experts coming in so, so Sharon let's start with you what's your background how did you end up being in such a lovely lovely meeting room for coca-cola today Sharon what's your background please yeah so um in actual fact um I will very shortly be 29 years working for the organization wow. so a duration um uh, you get less time for murder these days don't you really um but i i love it i mean i think the thing for me is i've had what i like to say is three careers uh within the business so uh how i how did i fall into coca-cola um well i quite literally fell into it because i got made redundant um and it was an opportunity that came along i used to work in finance i'd gone, kind of gone off and done some finance qualifications um at the time that i got made redundant so an opportunity came up with cabaret Schweppes was fortunate enough to get the job and of course all of a sudden you become part of this much bigger organization with great opportunities so I got bored of finance because it's just all about the numbers and I wanted to do something different so I went into sales well sales is all about the numbers so you know there's natural linkages as far as okay. I'm concerned um, and then from that I went into human resource um, because you know it's all about the people and so I've had three different careers in what I'm going to say is pretty much one giant organization for nearly three decades. That's um, Sharon, that's fascinating because I've always found, especially with my recruitment um, hat on, the better people I come across are those that have been able to work in two or three different disciplines within a within a larger company. That there's obviously nothing wrong with being typecast in a, in a commercial position, uh, position, but if you've been able to do finance, um, uh, commercial slash sales and HR, that just correct me if I'm wrong, Sharon, but that just gives you a better understanding as, as to how a business works, especially presumably within a business like Coca-Cola. The connections that you you garnered internally uh, must help you um, tremendously uh, with, within your current role that um, if you know you've got an issue or, or you need to ask um, um, an expert within the business something you'll know those contacts because of that that those connections that that um, that 20, 20 odd years establishment within the business yeah no absolutely uh, colleagues often say go and talk to Sharon because she'll know somebody who <laughs> will be able to help but I think the other thing for me is the fact that I've got an insight you know, I've walked into the shoes of a lot of the people who are doing the different job roles in the different parts of the business. So when, so when I talk, so my role is head of early careers. So when I talk about, you know, uh, in sales and this is the type of person we're looking for, I know it because I've actually done the job as well as recruited into the job or in finance and, you know, someone's about to do their studies. I'm like, okay, yeah, I went through that. I can understand it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that. That's why I think I've spent so long in the business because one, I know loads and loads of people, but two, I just keep changing careers. <laughs> and, and Sharon, is Coca-Cola a great business to work for? It is a fantastic business to work for. Um, you know, nobody stay, well, people do stay in organizations, but with my personality, there's absolutely no way I would have stayed in a business that duration if it yeah. wasn't a great place to work. And it is a fantastic place to work. 
Yeah, I've, I've slightly led the witness on, on that one because we could just see, Sharon, by your infectious smile <laughs> and the tenure within, within Coca-Cola, it's, it's all, almost like uh, the, 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 the two of you are, are as one in, in some respects in, in the way that you, you promote um, Coca-Cola. About a month ago, I did a broadcast with a, um, with a, um, a, a group that we represent called Global Women Fresh. And we had a, a lady on who runs um, a vertical farming business in, in Holland, and uh, she'd done her first 10 years with Tesla. And um, she just she said it was like it was like working for, for the best of the best friends you could have in the world um, that we all enjoy going to work on a, on a Monday morning because we knew that we were, we were changing. And then we did a, a bit, bit of a deep dive as to why, why that all was. And it came from the top. And so presumably Coca-Cola, with a number of you having been in the business for a period of time, the culture within Coca-Cola is, is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I think back to, especially when I moved into human resource and I had a connection with a gentleman by the name of Stephen Morehouse, it was like his, one of his early business partners. And he is now the vice president and general manager of, of GB, but yet he still calls me Whiskers. Hi Whiskers, how are you? And it's because my maiden name was Whiskey and everyone could not believe whiskey and coke and it's not a joke it's fact it's wow fact. but he still just calls me whiskers because that's who he knew the the young woman 20 odd years ago who first met but that's the kind of relationships that we have in in our organization you know yeah. and and i know we're going to talk about inclusivity in more detail but that's the sort of thing that kind of makes you belong and feel that you belong cool that comes across wow chad thank you barbara so what's your background Oh, very different backgrounds. I'm somebody coming from the point of three science degrees. So I'm a, a big fan of studying, as you can possibly tell. But my career actually started in the NGO sector, working with subsistence farmers. And I went to spend some time in Uganda. Then I went into commercial farming. And then I came back to the UK and joined what was then GEEST in their graduate management programme. So it's an accelerated management scheme for, um, for new graduates. And I did that for a couple of years, which meant going around different parts of the business a bit like Sharon was saying where I had the opportunity to have a, a stint in technical a stint in procurement and so on and was able to travel so I spent some time in France and then I had a good 14 years in the back of all business which was really exciting and the good thing about starting in that way is, is like Sharon says you're able to get to see the business in a, from a wider point of view and you become very easily connected to all the different parts of the business you know lots of people and you're able to get stuck in and hit the ground running and because I started from a graduate management scheme it meant that I had a, a cohort of people who started at the same time who I kept in touch with through that whole 14 sort of 15 year period which was good and we're still in touch now and I think one thing to, to let young people know is that the people you meet at the beginning of your career will often be with you for the entirety of your career wow. so if you fall out with them in year one <laughs> yeah, they'll remember that when you're 50 <laughs> by the same token if you have a good relationship at the beginning you'll still have that you know years years later and I remember when I was at Reading University doing my my undergrad I met um Beth Hart, who was then Beth Hassey, who was now the Vice President of Trust for McDonald's UK. So building those relationships early, now when McDonald's is sponsoring the Oxford Farming Conference and helping out with the, our programme that we do for scholars, it's great to be able to chat with her and catch up on news and, and things like that. And those relationships 
yes, you will always be building good relationships throughout your career, but it's important that you constantly do that throughout. And like Sharon's touched on inclusivity, that's what helps with the belonging. You, you become part of a, a group. It's very different to a clique where, you know, everyone's just doing the same thing with the same people. It's more about building those connections with people who've got the same skills or been to the same university. You fan that network out to a wider area and bring in people continuously and you just move forward together. So it's about that positivity and that connection for me. Um, Barbara, one one question that you you had a, a, a very illustrious career with the with the food group Geese, which is now uh, backable, and you now run your own independent consultancy business. Was that was that difficult? Was that a heart wrench to go away from a, a big food business, a big institutional food business, to doing your own your own thing? I think it was what suited my personality because Sharon was saying, you know, often it's about deciding what's right for you. And yes, I'd really love that journey, but I think it's good to know when it's come to an end and you've gone as far as you can in a particular path. And for me, I'm always looking for the next new thing and I couldn't see the next thing for me in that role. So I thought it's something that I'm going to have to figure out by myself. And striking out on my own was a real challenge because I'd never done it before and I hadn't planned it for a long while. So I literally just had to hit the ground running. But then I immediately realised that I had to build a big network outside of my back of all contacts. And that's when I, I was able to transfer the skills that I'd gained during that time at back of all to my own business and realised that I could easily network get in contact with lots of different people, use the skills that I've got in public speaking, sharing meetings and volunteering and lots of different things to get to meet new people and, and really get myself out there and get my name known. Uh, Barbara, thank you. There's, there's two thre threads on there just to quickly pull, pull out that I meet so many people in the sort of 40s, 50s who perhaps are looking to accelerate their career. And I say to them, well, why don't you do your own thing? You've you got this, uh, you got this uh, huge um, knowledge, uh, market intelligence. You've got a huge network. Why don't you go? And a lot of people, especially men, are quite frightened of, of doing mm -hmm. that because um, you can become the proverbial, um, not the pr most appropriate um, uh, uh, commentary, but they, they can become a wage slave, and um, you get a lot of resistance from, say, partners, husbands, wives who, who don't want to do that. But people who I who I do know who've done it, and um, they've actually they're a far better place because they they have more more scope, they're meeting more more people, and and the money side they might be even um, earning more money. But it's not not for everyone. But if that's okay, Barbara, people could dial into to you and just uh, watch watch you. You're, you're very prolific prolific on on social media to see a shining example of someone. Who who's actually stood out of the comfort zone and done their own thing and been successful at it. I think, yes, it's about being comfortable in your own space and that comes with maturity. And I think it's difficult for people and I think especially men, because it's very easy, I think, for men to develop a cohort of people around them who tr they trust and they're comfortable with. So to step outside of that is a lot harder. I think for women, especially if you've had kids and had a career break and come back in, we're used to disruption and, we yeah, find it well easier to do lots of different things. It's very stereotypical what I'm saying, but I, I do believe it's it's true. I think women yeah. are much more open about trying something new because they're forced into that decision-making process quite early on that life is going to have lots of changes and they have to be adaptable to it.
Yeah, well done. And my, my second thread was farmers. There's a lot of farmers I know, just because of the way that the, the sector's gone, uh, that they, they've consolidated their businesses, that they, they might have subbed out the, the, the contracting, or uh, they might have someone else managing buildings or managing other areas. So they could be they're virtually uh, um, entrepreneurial individuals by, by themselves, but perhaps they, they're missing that, uh, that, that interaction. And Amy, that's a, another reason why we've set up this broadcast with, with yourselves and the AHDB so that it can learn from the likes of um, Sharon and, and, and Barbara. But if you can learn from the likes of the, the, these individuals, that um, if, you, if you do feel lonely in what you're doing, everyone's got the same problems, I always tend to find. Um, but go and communicate, get on a course. And oh, Barbara, you think of some of the courses that are available in, in, the, in the ag sector, whether it be the likes of the Nuffield Farming Scholarship, the Worshipful Company of Farmers. Uh, oh, where have I said Nuffield? So step out of your, your, your comfort zone. If there's one thing we'd hope you'd learn from these broadcasts is life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Go and have a look at some of the courses that are, that are available and meet some new people in your sector uh, because you will be reinvigorated to, uh, to be able to take yourself further forward. Um, Amy, tell us about your background, please, because it's fascinating hearing, hearing Barbara's and Sharon's. What's your background? Well, thanks firstly, Max, for putting me after Sharon and Barbara. I feel really good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so pretty much, um, as you can tell from Birmingham, born and bred, live in the middle of the city centre. And when I was looking at universities, I knew I wanted to get out of the city. I knew it weren't really for me and came across a really great place called Harper Adams, um, which, uh, you know, for me, never seen a cow in my entire life. My first week at Harper Adams, there's chickens running about. It was a complete mind blown situation. Um, but spent four years doing a business degree, got to make some lifelong friends, a bit like what Barbara and Sharon are saying, you know, those connections that you make, you know, they make them for life. Um, so finished Harper, joined AHDB, uh, my first job as a, a business development manager. Um, a bit like Sharon, kind of all the numbers and stuff wasn't really for me. Progressed out, went to work for um, Associated British Foods, doing audits. Um, mm. Yeah, sustainability audits, travelled around the world doing it internationally, mm. um, but kind of it's not as glamorous as it sounds and I wanted that work-life balance back and I remember how good the culture was at AHDB and it just so happens on the job um, doing people management stuff and I thought I think that's a bit more me, you know, the number stuff is great and it's a great career prospect but I can take those skills and put them into the, the people side of things and so I've been back at AHDB for four years now um, but yes, and, and you know, like that, the ladies were saying, it's that kind of culture going back and remembering the colleagues that you got on so well with, having leaders to look up to within the business and kind of role models. So yeah, that's 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 my Excellent. background. Shorter um, than the other, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but hopefully I can aspire to be like Sharon and Barbara oh, one day. Ch Sharon, Barbara, isn't Amy fantastic? Oh, I love Amy, she's brilliant. And the stuff that she's doing with OFC, being a real supporter as well, as I also need to get a plug in for our conference. But I think it's really important because it's about being visible. And I think as we go on to talk in the discussion, having leaders who are visible in society for other people who are coming behind us to look to, I think is really important. So I see Amy setting her stall out and moving that way as well. Oh, oh yeah, she, she's a leader now. She's got to be a future leader. And, and Sharon, I've just, I've got, to, I've got to break protocol now. I went to the same institution as, uh, as Amy, this, this uh, amazing place called Harper Adams, um, but they, they raised the bar after I've been there because um, they, they um, when I went there, they gave me an unconditional offer and apparently it was an admin mistake 
Um, so I didn't concentrate too hard on my A-levels and I was too busy building pig arcs. And uh, when, it came, when it came to the day of, de of deliverance um, and I said to Harper, when can I start? And they said, well, you didn't get the grades. And I said, yeah, but you gave me an unconditional letter. And they went, oh yeah, we did, didn't we? We better check that. So, so, so now they allow pe better people in such as Amy who are, are actually gonna do something for, for, the, for the good <laughs> of the sector. So, so let, everyone, let, let's get into this. So inclusivity. What does it mean to us and why is it important? Sharon, you go first. Oh, my goodness me. Uh, that's a huge, huge question. Boom. Um, yeah, so inclusivity. Um, can I talk about, you know, the dance and you, it's like you and what have you, things. Inclusivity, feeling welcomed sense of belonging but do you know what I don't I didn't in your career or what and do you know other than that it starts and feeling that you the people who are, are growing up with and sense of inclusivity for you all the way through your life you know that I went to in, in London very diverse uh, area, area of the country um, to a school that I made friends with because I just well, friends with but all the way to my school um, feel part of what was going on around has continued into the workplace Maybe that's been easier for me because I guess I've a bit of an outgoing personality but what I have to be sure is that I'm with others who aren't as extrovert as I am, that they feel included. And I take steps to maybe sometimes dampen down my enthusiasm so that they can feel part of it. Because you know what, we all we all want to feel part of something. You don't necessarily need to feel part of everything, but you want to feel part of something. And the only way that you can feel that is if you feel that you have been included and that you belong. People often think about inclusivity from the viewpoint of, you know, well, I come from a particular background or I come from a particular culture uh, within it. But it's not always about that. It's just about the people that you are with wow. welcoming you. Excellent. Chad, thank you. Amy, your views? That was that was a really really incredible introduction to inclusivity. Um, thanks, Sharon. Um, I think actually, Max, when you when you opened up, you highlighted some of the the areas of inclusivity. So, you know, we're not an expert here, but if you look at the basics of Equality Act two thousand and ten, for example, there is a baseline that everybody should be adhering to as a, as a minimum. You know, you should be able to understand and acknowledge that there's there's nine unprotected characteristics. So we're not talking about just gender equality. Uh, we're not talking about racial equality. We're talking about there's eight other alongside. So there's a lot to get your head around. But as Sharon is alluding to, it's that it's that sense of belonging. It's ensuring that everybody has uh, equal opportunity and celebrating differences. But, you know, so we're not making people feel different. And there's your extra special treatment because you're different. It's actually I want to be treated the same as, you know, anybody else. So myself as a, as a lesbian, I want to have the same 
benefits as somebody who's who's straight who has um marriage benefits i want the same the same benefits um so there's the kind of the baseline of that you know let's do the right thing because well there's a law there basically then above that there's the economic side of it you alluded to the retainment of staff now everybody yeah. spoken to recently absolutely everybody is struggling with labor there's not a single business out there or industry that, that's okay for labor so instead of going along and trying to recruit all these new people look after the people you've got retention look after those people make them feel they've got that safe space that sense of belonging sense of purpose and you you're pretty much there at that level two um and then just just you know from an economic if people can't really get that moral compass unless they want to hear it from a money perspective there's studies out there that show if your organization celebrates um, difference and has that culture of, of belonging and culture of inclusivity you're six times more likely to be successful as an organization and there's i'm not going to reel off loads of statistics but that's the one that for me was a shock factor and if you can't if you can't get over the rest of the inclusivity and buzzwords, then just think about that. If you want to be a successful business, embrace inclusivity. Do you, Amy, do you know you've just hit on a, a real vein there? There's a, one thing that we have an ongoing mantra about is um, in, in our with my recruitment head on is is the recruitment um, and especially av advertising that um, say the likes of Coca Cola are, are brilliant um, at it and one of their subsidiaries um, Innocent Drinks Sharon is, is just uh, amazing um, uh, at it in that respect that people especially younger generation they don't want to hear stuff like uh, twenty one days holiday that that's that's just that's just the law that you have that pension scheme people want to um, to hear that there's um, uh, financial planning, uh, mental health uh, um, uh, awareness, uh, gym membership, uh, but also, um, Amy, one thing I don't see in adverts, I don't think, is, is actually the, 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 the celebration of diversity um, um, within, within these companies, and even more so uh, within farming and, and, and fresh, fresh produce, because we're still stuck in this trap of uh, 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 writing uh, job adverts as uh, just, just copying and pasting a, a job description over as a job advert. And it's, it's about as, uh, as, as enthralling as a, as, a, as a wet puddle on a, on a mon Monday morning. Um, and you're, you're totally on the money that those companies that don't change, that don't uh, bring in inclusivity, diversity, and applaud that and celebrate that. They're not going to get the talent, everyone like Amy, are they? They're, not, they're just not going to going to attract them in, and then they're going to have a, a problem for the for the long term. Barbara, what do you think? I was just thinking of some interesting examples back in well, at school um, clubs that I've joined and and in work of, of inclusivity when it's done right, and also inclusivity when it doesn't quite work and one of the things from um, my recent exploits you know that I do open water swimming and I remember one time I, I just had my hair braided and when my hair's braided it's a lot bigger than it normally is and the swim coach saw me like struggling trying to get my hair in my swim cap and he came up to me and went you know you can get these really big swim caps for people with lots of hair and just handed me a free swim cap and I was like go figure I didn't know about that and it's those little things you know I've been going swimming to that same location for 
for ages, but it's just somebody taking the time to acknowledge that, yes, you want to treat everybody the same, but there are certain things that don't work. And here's a helping hand just to give you a bit of a lift. No fuss, no drama. Let's just crack on. And I think when I see things advertised on TV or a big show made of something, I think people probably don't want all that attention. They just want a quiet solution handed to them. They can get on and go about their business. So for me, that, that explains it done in a really good way. And I've seen it work, for example, when you take businesses, especially when they're quite male orientated. So no offence to any women who are into football and, I don't know, um, Formula One and stuff like that. That wasn't really me. But in my, I remember in my first office, I was asked to join the Fantasy Football League and a whole range of things that weren't anything to do with my interest, but because I was the only female on the team, I didn't have anything else to do if I didn't join in. So I made a huge effort to join in these things and the guys really appreciated it. I think I've been there three years before somebody said, oh, let's let's ask Barbara, you know, what she might want to do as an activity that we can all join in. It's like, oh, thanks, guys. (laughs) So I knew that they were really trying to include me in everything. But it's just nice to be asked, like, what do you want to do? What do you want to share? And that's what really made me feel like even if they were going to say, no, we don't want to do that suggested activity. It didn't matter. The fact is that people cared enough to find out and ask and actually acknowledge that I might not be the biggest fan of fantasy football, having come last in the last three years worth of leagues <laughs> even with the help of my entire team <laughs> so 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 barbara this this inclusive culture that we'd love to create within let, let's just look at uk businesses that inclusive culture do, do you think it is it, it, it is it is it realistic or is it just a buzzword or, or do some companies get it and, and, and some pay lip service to it and some, God forbid, actually just, just greenwash it all and have a, have a, have a the appropriate page on, on, the, on the web? Do you think it's getting better that in the, the culture is, is settling out or is it just a buzzword? I think the answer is it depends. So I'm part of a group of people in the black or people of colour community in the northwest and we share our stories. It's all about positivity and and helping people move forward. And um, some of the stories that you hear, you're like, oh, oh my word, I can't believe that's happening. Like one woman was saying that somebody from HR came down into their office and was looking for somebody called Mohammed. So she went to the two brown guys in the corner and went, which one of you are called Mohammed? And you're like, no, that's, that's not how it works. So you've got instances like that, and you've got other instances where you see that people have got an advocate, a sponsor, and a mentor within their business to help them with their career and really put them out there. And you think, well, how can some businesses do it so well? And others are just like, you know, talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. So I think we've got some work to do where we make certain things important and embed them into the business. So it's not just a tick box exercise. So people aren't just doing what they think the, the corporate organization has told them to do but in the the rest of their time they're, they're making silly mistakes like that it, it's about making sure that people understand why it's important so you know I'm somebody who because I spend a short period of time as a wheelchair user I'm really cognizant of if I'm opening a door or there's somebody out in the street in a wheelchair and I can see they're in difficulty I noticed that and I think until you've had your eyes opened into somebody else's kind of challenges it's, it's not always easy to understand where that person is at so yes we all want to be treated the same but we just need those little helping hands and that acknowledgement that if there is a difference or something that we're having to do that might be slightly more challenging that other people are 
are cognizant of that and make some kind of effort. And, and Sharon, I'm, I'm guessing but we, we need industry leaders, industry companies, especially on, on an international basis, to take the lead, I suppose, in some respect. There's been a, a lot of talk in the, in the recent COP26 by the likes of, um, um, of Australia that uh, their the, uh, changes are going to be uh, business-driven. And I suppose in some respects, this whole inclusivity um, element has got to be business-driven. And, and can, can we look, look to the likes of Coca-Cola, do you think, because of the, of the changes that, that you've made, not only in the UK and internationally, on, the, on this whole subject? Can we learn from Coca-Cola? I think that there is definitely a lot to learn from Coca-Cola, but there are many, many organizations, as Barbara said, that are doing things really, really well. Um, and but what the, the point I wanted to make to add on to Barbara's point there was you even when an organization is doing really, really well, there are going to be pockets within that organization of resistance. And it's about understanding how you can help and support those who are resisting. What's the reason for their resistance um, to it? And typically it's because there is a fear of missing out on something or something being taken away. And so we need as organizations to be, to be mindful. I mean, if I think about my own organization, it is fair to say in 2020, so, so prior to 2020, we'd kind of been on a bit of a journey uh, and then the sticking plaster was ripped off in 2020. And I think we all understand what happened during that time. Yeah. And it made the business really sit up and say, we have to listen to all of our employees and understand the impact of maybe not talking about uh, things around EDI, the impact that that's actually then having and as a result of that you know we created a number of catalyst groups and within that wow. our our employees you know can choose which catalyst group or groups they want to be part of and so for us now it's from the top down and the bottom up because if it's just from the top down it's not going to work because yeah. that's just the one-way message it's got to be a two-way message and it's gonna have a lot of uncomfortableness to it as well in the beginning. But if you can get over that, because you know that you're in a protected space and it's a safe space, if you can get over that and really start to listen to those who have you know, had to experience maybe some of the, the things that they've experienced and then become, you know, people talk a lot about allies and become an ally or an advocate, but genuinely mean it, then you'll see change. But you know, for us as a business, we are still on a journey. We haven't got it right, we haven't got it perfect. I don't think, if somebody said, was to come up to me and say, do you know what, yeah, we've got it all right, we've got it all perfect. I think you have no idea what you're, what you're doing then. Because <laughs> if you think you've got it perfect, yeah. then, you, then I'm sorry, but you haven't. Yeah, and that's, a, that's, that's, that's fascinating. In, do, do, do you think it took the last couple of years to actually uh, create that change within the likes of your 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 business your your business structure uh, and and if you if we hadn't gone through what we've been through the last couple of years do, do you think you would have been you would you would have just stayed with the status quo i don't think we would have stayed with the status quo but i don't think we would have accelerated as fast as we have accelerated okay. i think it's okay so that so, so Sharon, the reason I say that we had, um, I don't know if this is a politically correct phrase to use, but um, in the broadcast that we did with South Africa six months ago, we had an uh, amazing buyer uh, on Lady Lady Buyer, and um, 
uh, as she stated, never waste a crisis. Um, they managed to, here comes that word, pivot their, their business to sell to um, undernourished people within South Africa with waste produce uh, that otherwise got, was going to be dest destined for, 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 for the skip. Um, and just from what I've just learned, learned from yourself and other people who've looked to positively, radically change their business on everything that we've we've um, we, we've all encountered over the last couple of years, this, this term of never waste a crisis, if it, if it can accelerate positive change to get to, to a a positive answer, Amy. What do you think? Do, 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 do you think I'm? Do you think I'm? I'm, I'm talking sweet corn or my talking sense? No, it's to be honest, it's a bit chicken and egg um, because actually oh, you, you go you go for chicken and egg. I'll go for sweet corn <laughs> <laughs> because actually, if you're a resilient leader um, and your your business is set up that you you've got your sort of people looked after, that when a crisis comes, they're better they're better able to adapt to that change. So it's it's kind of a bit of the both way. Um, and to kind of go on the point about what does this uh, inclusive culture mean? Is it a buzzword? So Sharon and Barbara talked about these big organisations that potentially might have HR systems, you can look after it. But it, it's imperative that any business, even the small business that we're used to in farming, the one man bands, etc. You need to have that, um, I think it's integrity. So if you say you're going to be an inclusive um, employer, be honest about that and understand what it means so that it isn't a buzzword so that actually if you turn the mirror on yourself would you work for you um oh. and that's me to ask um yeah would would you and also would you expect you know your grandchildren to work for somebody like you um yeah it's kind of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes to understand what does what does it mean so it doesn't become a buzzword so it does genuinely become a culture within your business yeah, Amy, I applaud you um, on that. And, and Sharon, just going back to a point that, that you made, that uh, within a particular business, you, you might have, let's give it a word, uh, thiefdoms uh, that, that need to have to be perhaps re-educated. I remember going to a Cranfield University conference a number of years ago, and we had um, a, a top uh, executive from BT stating that when you have a business with over um, 500 people, the communication internally is really difficult. And if you have a business with lots of different business units with over 500 people within the UK, that's really difficult. And if you've got a business with lots of business units internationally, different languages, different cultures, um, it is even more difficult. So, so um, Sharon, I applaud yourself and your colleagues as to how you must be able to manage that within within the the international enterprise. That's, uh, Coca-Cola, but 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 Sharon, on, on that basis, have you have you seen either within within your business or other businesses practice on, on the on the, on this whole whole subject of driving equality, diversity, and inclusion that, that have worked? Have you got any real life examples for us, Sharon? Um, so, so, we, so I can talk about organisation. Um, we we look at it from a, so we look at it from a specifics some country because otherwise we're in a giant cake is Sharon Sharon can I just be very rude because your internet's just dropping in, in and out then it come then, then it came came back back again so so if we just give you 30 seconds and we'll let it clear Barbara have you got any real life examples of what you've seen in the in the, in the workplace on this subject thank you thank you Sharon we'll come straight back to you <laughs> Specifically on inclusivity and making, I forgot what the original question was. Have, Matt, sorry. Have, have you have you seen great practice in the in the businesses or the clients that, that you work with on this on this subject? 
Oh, gosh, I've got a few examples. So when I think about, um, especially in the, the fresh produce sector, I think there's always been a history of people from different communities coming and working there. So I think, you know, either a history of West Indians or Asian communities working together. What I've seen is that when people eat together, that tends to be a great <laughs> leveller. So when businesses are going around removing their, their canteens, I know in COVID it was different. You couldn't have everyone sitting in one room. I get that. But the, the businesses I've seen that really sit successful in getting people to work together the ones where people eat together and I remember one back of all business that I worked in it was a huge factory and there was no demarcation in the canteen area so if you wanted to sit next to the MD you could sit next to the MD you know if you wanted to sit next to the yard guy you could sit next to the yard guy you know you could sit anywhere in that canteen people have the little cliquey tables that you know they all sit there together and sit there first but realistically there was there was no demarcation I just found that a great leveler because it just meant that no one felt higher than anybody else in the hierarchies. You might have more responsibility than the person you're sat next to, but you were able to talk and food was such a leveler. So people would always look at what I was eating and go, oh, you were doing the Slimming World diet today. I'm like, no, this is how I eat normally. <laughs> and I'd be looking at their pie and chips and going, well, you're not going go to get a long life expectancy. So there's the banter, but it's, you know, it's, it's a friendly banter about food. And it's not criminalizing anyone for the way that their food is cooked or what they're eating and I think that especially where you've got for example I've got one um, client who's got a lot of women from Southeast Asia they all bring their chapatis and their curries and sit and chat next to each other but they might have some Polish people sitting with something else and it's all just oh, one big happy event I just think things like that they're not initiatives it's just about how you manage your space so it's a structural thing if you set up your business that way then it makes it easy for people to do that rather than saying well we need to have a little group that meets to talk about x or a little group that meets to talk about y and I think in a smaller business things like that work a lot more easily the business like Sharon's that's, that's not as doable because it's just too massive but like Amy was saying if you have got a small business getting people to have those points of connectivity is really key yeah that's uh there's a food business that i won't name that uh, no one apart from the board of directors is, is allowed upstairs um and it just it just seems just and and I, i'm sorry to cast aspersions i'm just assuming if they're, if they're, if they're that pedantic, pedantic on that sort of point you can imagine potentially what they are on on the uh, on, on on the on the on the rest of the culture internally sharon I, I apologize for cutting across you early because we want to, want to get the best from you. So some real real life examples that you've seen, please. Well, I'm absolutely delighted, Barbara, to say that we have a restaurant that anyone can sit wherever they like. Um, wow. There are some people you might not want to sit next to, but the option's <laughs> there for you to be able to do it. Um, but I think one of the big things for me is very much about the learnings from other organisations. And so recently there was uh, the diversity in grocery um, conference that took place. Now, I didn't yes. attend, but a number of my colleagues did. And I think what's really important from those sorts of events is to hear from other organisations, individuals, and actually just take back one or two things that you can bring back into your own organisation and be able to then say, okay, I can do just that. And regardless, therefore, of the size of organisation that you're part of, if it's just the one or two things that could work for you, I think that's often the best way forward. 
Yeah. Oh, Sharon, that's, a, that's amazing. A Amy, I, I got to throw you a slight, slightly curved one here. That there's a there's a go back to my point about the, the farming sector. That there's a lot of um, uh, farms who work in rural areas, and they'll have long established uh, workforces uh, that could have been with them for, for tens of years, and they want to bring other, other people in. But the 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 owner, the manager, the farmer, um, they, they they want to encourage this whole element of equality and diversity. Um, but it's quite hard to change the, the attitudes within within some of those farming businesses, perhaps. I, I mean, what do you think? What, what do you think would be magic dust to be able to, to, to create that change that we learned from yourself, Sharon and Barbara? There's there's no silver bullet. You know that one, don't you? There's, there's not going to be a one size fits all. And we're not going to change it overnight, unfortunately. But with all behaviour change, there will be a trigger point that will influence and inspire that behaviour. So if you're, so for example, understanding your team, so uh, things like insights, uh, Myers-Briggs, things like that, where you can start to understand your team dynamics and the potential new team members to, to understand really from a baseline, from a work ethic, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. It doesn't matter whether they're female, the color of the skin, their religion, et cetera. We're all here to do a great job and understanding that, you know, we have those strengths and, and areas of improvement will help the team to, to understand that baseline. Um, I agree with both Sharon and Barbara on the, the aspect of, you know, having that social space um, and having that kind of, you know, understanding. It all comes down to communication, doesn't it? Everything we're talking about is about that communication. How do you communicate? Right at the beginning, Sharon mentioned actually, it's not about constantly raising people onto a pedestal because some people actually are introverts and, and that would horrify them if, if you made an event specifically for them. So it's understanding people, how they like to communicate and how they like to be treated in their individuality to get the best out of them. Amy, well done. I'm, I'm thinking of a, a slightly mad example being Jeremy Clarkson. Oh God, where's Max going, going with this one? Um, so Jeremy Clarkson's been a, a phenomenon, phenomenon, a phenomenal within, within the agricultural sectors. And uh, no, no, no disrespect to BBC Countryfile, but there is a view that Jeremy Clarkson, with one or two series of what he's done, has has uh, has uh, uh, done more good for for the farming sector in the UK than 24 years of, of Countryfile. The, the reason I'm mentioning. Uh, him is that a, a contact of mine um, who runs a, a big farm in Mozambique in, in Africa. Um, he was having a bit of a problem with his uh, with his workforce because he couldn't endear himself to them and, and vice versa. So they they introduced Jeremy Clarkson and they they fifteen of them with the manager binge watched the whole of Jeremy Clarkson one weekend and now that's all they ever talk about and, uh, and they're so enthralled apparently that Jeremy's going to be doing uh, another series and these Mozambique workers want Jeremy to come out to visit their, their farm which which would be amazing and hilarious if it, if, it, if it does. But as Amy says, it's the communication element of it. Amy, hold my hand on this one. If, if we don't try, if we don't attempt and just keep going, you can't, you can't, you can't expect it to, to happen once, but just to start that conversation, whether it be a small business or a larger business, to get to the likes of where Sharon is with Coca-Cola. Amy, what do you think? Is that the way to go? Yeah, uh, exactly what Sharon said. Just take one thing away, just a slight nudge, whether it's, um, like you say, look, watching Jeremy Clarkson and seeing actually, you know, he knew nothing about farming and now look where he is, um, you know, before, because one of my imposter syndromes is I'm not from farming background. They're all going to think, I don't know what I'm talking about. But actually you watch that programme and think, wow, it's, it's incredible what Jeremy has done. Equally, you know, he's got a female shepherdess um, yep. who's well doing an amazing job. Um, but yeah, it's these, it's these little nudges and it's, it's working out what's the nudge that's going to work for you. I mentioned, you know, 
there's the, the regulation nudge. So let's actually meet the law requirements if that's yeah. the way to think. There's um, the, the educational piece. We'll actually come and learn our stories and, and what that's about. There's the sort of the social side. Well, did you know that the farm down the road has got a queue of people work, wanting to work for him because he appeals to millennials because he talks about sustainability? Is it things like economics? So actually, you know, let's have a look at the figures. Don't go and recruit somebody. Look after your staff and you're going to save £7,000. Or is it just the tools? You know, are, are some of these businesses just missing the simple templates, um, the, the tools that we can actually help signpost in the right direction so it's one of those it's it's a reset model i i didn't think for that off the top of my head it's, it's a model out there but oh, it's, one, you did. it's one of those nudges that's going to appeal each one will appeal to different businesses and it's finding the right one to start that conversation to start that behavior change and you know we're only we just want to do a good job it doesn't really matter um about yeah. your background or whatever so yeah, and, and here comes my, my time again, Amy. Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And I normally present that in the respect of a, of a, of a personal basis, basis, but actually for your business, uh, just to stretch yourself uh, like that. Um, Barbara, Shan, Amy's fantastic, isn't she? Really, she absolutely so much of... is. She and, absolutely is. I and, mean... and, and Sharon, if you Sharon, if you want to meet Jeremy Clarkson, both Barbara and Amy are advisors to Jeremy, apparently. I'm not allowed to say that. But... <laughs> I have to say, I have watched it, and it's absolutely but one thing I would say, you, know, you were talking about the um, this has been for a long time, is he's into the and the knowledge of those who are this is he's so an expert into them to bring somebody from get them. To coming in because we've had to do this with our apprentices as part of our early career and initially those long very resistant especially to female engineers coming really resistant to it and we talked about well how would you feel if it was your daughter that was being <laughs> yeah. treated like this you've got all that skill you've got all that knowledge that you could really be sharing so share that that to turn a tide it's no different i guess in the farming industry you knowledge they don't exclude excellent well well done sharon so to everyone we're just like starting to run out out of time what would be really good is just to sort of leading the witnesses uh, again what what are the one or a couple of things that you would advise a an owner or a senior manager to do to make a difference on on this whole element of inclusivity within within the sector barbara you go first what would your advice be please i think as an owner or a business person it's about talking to your staff and finding out what you can do for them i think a leader works for their team not the other way around and i think that's the first question you should be asking what can i do for you there you go sharon what's your view please so I would say find an external network so that you can create your safe space in, take one or two um, ideas from them, but also use it as a way of sharing your fear about that you don't want to get it wrong. Do that in that safe space and then be able to bring it back into whichever environment that you're, mm. you're trying to support. Amy. So I can't cheat and just say I agree with the two. <laughs> so. No. 
I think it's a, a combination of um, awareness. So getting the knowledge, you know, being open to say, I don't know all this stuff, but where can I find out more about it? Um, then it's it's kind of um, acknowledging, so understanding that actually my team like it this way and I've done my research and, and uh, being a true leader and uh, looking into your team. And then action, you know, like Sharon said, actually just take even a really small bit of action of having a team meeting where you open it up and have a, an open space. That little bit of action will make somebody get out of bed in the morning or make them stay with your job. So it's it's little things that will make a difference. Yeah. So to wrap up, everyone, are we are we being optimistic? Are we being positive that there will be a future success to this subject of driving equality, diversity, and inclusion in the, in the workplace? Are we positive about the future, Sharon? I think you have to be optimistic because if you aren't, it's going to change. So you have to be the force that says it's going to work. And how much bang the drum? We're going to keep banging it. Sharon, thank you. Barbara? I agree with Sharon. We have to be optimistic. And yes, there's a little bit of realism in there that things aren't perfect, but it's about making sure that we're moving forward all of the yeah. time. Yeah. Amy? Yeah, well, I'm a positive poly anyway, but uh, just a small <laughs> example. If you look at the Oxford Farming Conference and uh, maybe a photo of the attendees from 10 years ago versus those that are going to be there this year, that shows progress yeah, so the ambition is you know in the next five ten years you know to really look at that photo of, of the 10 days and see that diversification you know if it will really um yeah I'm, I'm positive about what we can do well done Sharon thank you very much for being on I would suggest that anyone who wants to get an understanding as to Coca-Cola the culture of Coca-Cola just just follow um Sharon and her colleagues because it's it, it's inspiring to see what they've done and what they're looking to do in the future. Uh, Barbara, Barbara's on. Uh, Barbara, how many degrees have you got now? Is it just the 16 or have I just, and if, if you want to get an understanding as to, um, as we said earlier about running your own thing and I've got to put words in Barbara's mouth, uh, be, being happy with uh, with what you've achieved and, and looking to achieve more, uh, link in, connect with uh, with Barbara because she's she's cracking. She on a, on a mission, especially with everything that she's got going on in in the next six months. And Amy, just all credit credit to you. You, you sort of um, slightly demeaned yourself at, at the beginning of the conversation, but one of the reasons that we brought you on was so we could learn from from you, from Sharon, Barbara, and I could learn from you. I think you've been you've been a, a powerhouse today, and so all, all credit to you. You are one to watch for the future, Amy. So so thank you. So so just to wrap up, we have to ask. Um, sometimes I'm not allowed to ask this question, but I've got to ask it today. On an agricultural context, what is your favourite colour of tractor? Sharon, what is your favourite colour of tractor, please? Yellow. Yellow? What, what tractor is that? Was that ACB. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, I've got a caterpillar. Barbara. <laughs> I'm going to go for John Deere green. <laughs> John Deere. Nothing, nothing runs like a deer. OK, Amy, you've got to be careful here because you're, you're, you're politically... Um, and, and enable corrected oh I can't think of the words what's your favorite color tractor Amy my views are not associated with the business that I work for and all that malarkey but um I think for me my favorite color tractor has got to be the rainbow tractor Massey Ferguson oh, oh, Sassy Ferguson <laughs> yeah <laughs> just 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 quickly tell everyone about that about the context of it so um, an initiative that, that's running um in sort of the LGBT community of farming is AgRespect um, and it's just a, a safe, safe place for everybody to, to communicate and show that, you know, you're not alone, you're not different. 
Um, and what we did is we, we took a tractor to Brighton Pride um, back in 2019 and Massey Ferguson very kindly sponsored the tractor and then stuck a big rainbow, um, you know, sort of paintwork over it. And we did it again this year. We went to Birmingham Pride, which made me extremely proud, as you can imagine. Um, and this time we asked um, children to um, to do a competition to, to design the tractor, just to raise awareness wow. from the so you know we're all inclusive so a uh, big shout out to agrispect and massey ferguson for that fantastic i'm, I'm really embarrassed because that sounds like, like we like we, we set that up and it was all done on a professional basis it, <laughs> it wasn't it's only because we got three professionals on that so we, we got so much good goodness out of it everyone you've been brilliant we've learned so much today on this and we're going to keep in contact with you um amy big hand, hand to, you, to you for organizing this with the amazing Sharon and the amazing barbara and we'll catch up with you all very very shortly thank you Thank, Thank you. you. Bye 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 bye. bye, bye, bye.